Bible study because I love hearing uh, what, what, ooh. I love hearing what um, Holy Spirit is speaking to us in the word. Well, um, if you want to get your Bibles to the scripture I'm going to be preaching from today, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'll be looking at verses 10 to 16. They'll also be on the screen, so don't feel like you have to find that in your physical Bible. But um, as I was reading it this week to see what Holy Spirit was saying to me and even potentially the message for all of us, um, it really had me thinking about decisions. So we actually make a lot of decisions every day. So I'm going to ask, and I, and I am looking for a response, how many decisions do you think that we make every day? Okay, Haven says 700. BJ? 14,000. 1,000? 2,000? King? Over a million. Ooh. Bond? 35,000. 35,000? Marcos? And, and even you coming up with that number was a decision, right? Oh, Grace? Half a million? Travis? Infinitely many. Okay. So I found an article put out by PBS, the public broadcasting system, and they um, went to Cornell University and talked to some researchers there. And just on the decisions of food alone, they say we make about 226.7 decisions every day about food. Okay. And then the estimated adult makes 35,000 remotely conscious decisions a day. So we are making conscious and unconscious decisions, right? Like things we don't even like actively think in our mind, but we're still making those decisions. Like technically like me moving my hand like this is a decision, but I'm not consciously thinking about it. I am consciously thinking about the words coming out of my mouth. So just think about that. Like every word that is coming out of my mouth right now is a decision that I'm making, which is crazy. And so we have 24 hours in a day, right? Roughly we sleep seven, eight hours, some give or take, since public coffee opened. <laughs> my amount of sleep through the night has been significantly fluctuating. But say we have about 1,020 minutes that we're alert during the day. So if you take that 35,000 and divide it by 1,020, we make 34 decisions a minute. So we think a lot. We make a lot of decisions. Some of them are minor. Some of them are major. So for me, what am I going to have for breakfast? Thankfully, since public coffee opened, I have some great options every day because we have to have stuff there for customers. But before that, it would be, we'd be home like, oh, when was the last time we got groceries? Like, what's even in the house? So what will I have for breakfast? That was a, you know, a pretty minor decision that I make pretty much every day. But then there's major things. So one of the last major decisions that I had to make was will like, our family leave Canada, move to Boston? 
So they, you know, our decisions will vary. Um, and I've mentioned public coffee already, but transparently, the first month of running public coffee was really rough for, on me for many different reasons. And I've genuinely pondered, do I still want to do this? <laughs> you know, like for the last really almost seven years, the dream of having this coffee shop has been there. But now that it's actually like boots on the ground, we're doing the work, it, I really wonder, do I still want this? And so this week I threw out that question to uh, those who receive our text messages and asked about different decisions that people are making right now. And so uh, a lot of it was wrapped up around doing well at work, how to take care of family members, how to love others well, where to live, what to eat, and how to take care of ourselves. So we make all of these decisions, but are we actually making them on our own? Are we trying to make them all on our own? And if we're not, who can we trust to help us make all of these decisions? So I mentioned I'm going to be preaching out of 1 Corinthians 2, and just earlier in that chapter, Paul is talking about how he shares wisdom only with the mature around him. So he's really talking about a decision that he's made on how he's going to minister to the community around him. And then after our verses, he talks about feeding the Corinthian church with milk at one point because they're what he calls weaker in the faith. Instead of giving them meat or solid food, that shows that they're mature. And then right in the middle of this are the verses that I'm going to be sharing out of. And I think kind of like to me when I was reading it, I was like, how does this connect? So we're just going to look at that and see what's going on here. So 1 Corinthians 2 verses 10 to 16 say... Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except his Spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit, because it is foolishness to him or her. He or she is not able to understand it, since it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he or she herself himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Would you join me in just a quick prayer as we dig into this? Hey God, uh, just thank you so much for this day, for this opportunity to gather here, to be together, to worship you, um, to hear from you, to learn from you. Help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see what you have for us. And God, help us um, to then live it out as we know that we don't learn just to gain knowledge, but we learn so that um, we can become more like your son, Jesus. So, Holy Spirit, I pray you'll be here with me as I share. Help me to articulate what you have spoken to me in a clear way. And yeah, we just want to 
give you all the praise, honor, and glory that you are due. We pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so disclosure, I have drawn some illustrations for today. And I am not a good drawer. <laughs> I actually thought about this after I was finished. I was like, I should probably send them to Grace and ask Grace to like do a better version <laughs> because they're really not good. But there's so much in these six verses that Paul is giving to the Corinthian church. So, you know, it's also showing that he is starting to, um, he's starting to trust them with the deeper things of God. But we're going to use some illustrations to help us understand. So the first thing that verse 10 tells us is that all of the things of God are revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. And so in this beautiful drawing, the fire that you will see in the upcoming <laughs> illustrations represents the Holy Spirit. And we know in Acts chapter 2, all of the disciples were up in the upper room. Jesus said, stay here and pray. I have a gift for you. And it said... Um, Tongues that came down like fire then rested on the, on the disciples, so meaning that they were then given the Holy Spirit. So that's why I used, decided to use a fire to explain this. So then we'll go to the next illustration, Travis. So we, the, the scripture says, who knows the thoughts that I have? So the, again, my beautiful illustration. Can you guys clap for me? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. So first person is thinking, I'd like a sandwich. <laughs> and then the second person is like, what? Because <laughs> they can't understand the thoughts of the other person. So person two doesn't know what person one is thinking. And Paul is saying, this is what it is like in the same way that only the spirit of God knows God's thoughts. Well, that sounds kind of womp womp. <laughs> you know, I you mean, I'm here. I'm trying to follow Jesus. But it sounds like I can't know God's thoughts, but there's good news. John 14, 26 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. So this is a promise from Jesus to his followers. His Counselor, the Holy Spirit, will be sent, and they'll be able to remind him of everything. The Holy Spirit will remind us as followers of Jesus everything that Jesus has taught. So we'll go to the next. Oh, Travis already did. So this is the illustration. What verse 12 is saying is that we have all received the Spirit of God. So that's my beautiful fire again, and the arrows mean that we have all received the Spirit of God. So we can begin to understand the things of God, because it's the Spirit of God who reveals all these things to us, right? But then it says in verse 14 that there are some people, like this sad guy at the bottom of the screen, he does not have the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean for him, that God's ways are foolishness? And so verse 14 also says, um, we are able to evaluate everything because we have the Spirit of God. But, you know, people that are in our life that do not have the Spirit of God have no right in evaluating us. So, because they are foolish. Because, well, not, well, yes, Bible, the Bible does say they're foolish, but automatically, if people in our life don't have the Holy Spirit, they're going to think that we are foolish. They're going to think the ways that we live and act and talk and interact with God and one another are foolish. Next slide, please. Verse 14, but the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness. 
he is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. So when you look behind the Greek of the word foolish, it means ridiculous. So again, everybody who's out in the world who doesn't have the spirit of God looks at us and thinks, these people are ridiculous. Um, I didn't become a Christian until I was 18 years old, and there was a huge church in my town. It was a town of about, I don't know, BJ, how many people live in Sackville? 20,000. So not like a huge town, but there was this like huge mega church that was on our main drag through the town, and they always had like the, the cheesy sayings on their sign, and we would literally, like, because we were bored all the time, we would drive just to look at their sign <laughs> and make fun of it and talk about how ridiculous these crazy Christians are. Like, I, now a follower of Jesus, a pastor, used to spend my time that way because I thought those who had the Holy Spirit were ridiculous. I wouldn't have said it like that. I wouldn't have had the words to articulate it, but that's what I thought. Oh, I wish I had a, the memory. <laughs> That was 20, 25 years ago. I can't remember what they said. But again, just to reiterate, those who don't have the Holy Spirit think we're ridiculous. So what does that mean? So we'll go to the next slide there, Travis. But in verse 15, it says, The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. So to evaluate just means to really look at a situation and make decisions. So kind of going back to what I was saying before, like we make decisions a lot. And I even talked about, you know, the hardship that was of public coffee and some of the things we experienced. I had a lot of people giving me advice. And I had to think, well, what do I do? Who do I listen to, right? And there were people that I would assume don't have the fullness of the spirit in their life giving me suggestions. And like some of it on the surface seemed like really good ideas. But I had to like slow down and pull back a little bit and think, okay, but they're evaluating me. They're evaluating our situation. But what the scripture here is saying is really they, they would think foolishness of me, you know? And so instead I went to people that I knew were filled with the spirit and said, Hey, this is what I'm experiencing. These are like kind of the tensions I'm feeling. I need some help. So they were able to evaluate me and, and give some suggestions for what I should do, and I could trust that because I know they also had the Holy Spirit. And really, all of these verses, all it boils down to is what Paul is saying is the Holy Spirit is trustworthy. So when we are making decisions, when we have hardship, when we're at a fork in the road and it's like, okay, I could go here, I could go here, we can trust ourselves, we can evaluate the situation, because ultimately, Holy Spirit is, is trustworthy, is what, this, what it's saying. So we're going to go back again just for a second and look at verse 10. So now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And this was probably like my biggest aha moment when I was reading and studying the scripture this week. When you look behind the Greek of the depths of God... So there's some funny words here. Profundry means depth. So I looked into that a little bit more. So profundry means knowledge that is recondite and obtrusive and profound. So that's what the depths of God means. 
knowledge that is recondite and obtruse and profound. So if you look up the definition of obtruse, it means difficult to understand and obscure. So when we go back, again, to these people who do not have the spirit, it kind of makes sense that they look at us and they think we're ridiculous. <laughs> it kind of makes sense that, you know, 16, 17-year-old Amanda would read these signs and think that this group of people are ridiculous because the depths of God, who God really is, can be difficult to understand. And God can be, especially when we compare him to the world that we live in, he can be obscure. He can seem like the one that doesn't make sense, right? He can seem like the one, you know, when people look at it, it's like, why would you follow this God, yeah. right? But it's the Holy Spirit who understands who God is. And it's as we walk with the Holy Spirit, as we grow um, in, in, in knowledge of who he is, but also in trusting that we also have the mind of Christ, which the scripture says, then we can trust the Holy Spirit. He is speaking to us. We have the mind of Christ. We can trust what God is saying to us because we have the mind of Christ. So there are many voices and opinions trying to disciple us, right? So I think often in the church, we think discipleship only happens between Christians because that's what we call it. But every person in this world is a disciple because everybody in this world is being discipled, right? It doesn't necessarily mean everybody's being discipled by the word of God, but we are always receiving information, right? We're always taking in and processing. So there's always these voices and opinions that are coming at us. And we have a lot of decisions to make every day. Do you guys remember how many we make in a day? 3,500. But isn't it true, for the most part, that we would say we want to make the right decisions, right? Do you feel pressure? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you have options in front of you and you want to make the right decision. As I've already mentioned, I've needed a lot of advice lately, but I've ultimately had to ask, like, who can I trust? Who can I sit down and listen to that I trust, that I know has the, my best intentions at heart? So you and I can trust the Spirit, right, as I've said. First and foremost, we should be seeking God first, saying, not my will, but yours, and saying, I have these decisions to make. Here they are. Lay them out. And then just be silent before God and listen and see what might come up. And I think for some people, when we first start practicing silence, it can be really hard. It can be really scary. And then also, again, the spirit of confusion can come in and we doubt what we're hearing and things like that. But as we practice this over time with God, we're able to identify when it is the spirit of God speaking versus our own stuff going on. And then, you know what? As we grow and go with God, we can trust ourselves. Not because we are super people <laughs> that are the bearers of all knowledge, but it's because we have the mind of Christ. And I think this is something we can intentionally ask for, too. Like, we can go to God and say, hey, I've got these decisions to make. Give me the mind of Christ. 
I want what you want for me, so I need your mind to kind of like superimpose itself into my mind so that my thoughts are aligned with the thoughts of God. And might you choose wrong sometimes? Have you ever made a decision and it was a wrong decision? Yes, but that's okay. <laughs> it's okay to make the wrong decision. And I think, I think that's why there's so much anxiety sometimes because we are so afraid to make a decision, we can't make a decision. And so we keep trying to make the decision, but we don't make the decision. And it just becomes this like cycle of, ah. <laughs> but what I've noticed in my journey with God is, are there some times that I've made the wrong decision? Absolutely. But is God sovereign? Yes. Is God in control? Yes. So if the intention of my heart is in the right place when I make the decision, whether it is wrong or right, it's okay. It's okay to make the wrong decision. It's okay to fail because we know that God's in control and he can get us back on track. And we can also trust others who are spirit-filled that are also intentionally seeking the mind of Christ. So, just to reiterate, who can we trust? We can trust the Spirit of God. He is trustworthy. We can trust ourselves because we have the mind of Christ. And we can intentionally seek out those who also have the mind of Christ and trust him. And at the end of the day, Jesus says, cast all your burdens onto me because I care for you. So, at the end of the day, what I... if. I mean, I hope you heard through this, from the Spirit through, the, um, through this message. But at the end of the day, if you just hear that God cares about you and he has good plans for your life, that, that'll make me a very happy <laughs> person today. Would you join me in prayer? 35,000 decisions, whether they're conscious or unconscious, are a lot of decisions to make. God, and I think for those of us who have said yes to you being the Lord of our life, we also have a desire to submit to you, to make the right decision, to honor you, God, in what we do and how we do it. And God, I thank you for this reminder that first and foremost, God, you are trustworthy. And that as followers of Jesus, as we take on the mind of Christ, as we learn the ways of Jesus, as we learn how to hear your voice in a deeper, clearer way, we can trust ourselves as we make some decisions and those that you put in our life, those in community with us. So I, I just sense to pray against any schemes of the enemy, any lies that he may try any plans that he may have against this group. I pray that those schemes and lies and plans would be bound up in the name of Jesus. And um, God, I just pray for release from our minds. I think sometimes we can get so just caught up And decision-making is just a part of that, but it, it is enough. We make, again, 35,000 decisions a day. So I just pray going forward, Lord, that we would understand 
first and foremost, the authority that we have in your name, Jesus, to, to take control of our mind and our thoughts, um, but also to remember, I think one of the schemes of the enemy is to make us doubt if you are trustworthy. And uh, we just acknowledge here again today that you are. And God, may you embed that in our hearts so that when we're scared or worried, we can remind ourselves that you are trustworthy. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, um, Haven and Evan are going to come up and lead us in a couple of songs. So come on up. And uh, just like to say, like, feel free to worship in any way that's comfortable for you. There's lots of room back there, so if you want to stand up and take up some space back there, that's great. Um, but just worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. I will trust 
Every word I hear you say, I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name. Oh, I am standing on every promise that you made. I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name. Jesus, I will trust every word i hear you say i will see it come to pass in your name in your name in your name oh, 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 oh. you're the god fire inside my veins the echo of my 
never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down Cause you are good You're good Oh You are good You're good Oh You are good You're good Oh You are good You're When the night is holding on to me God is holding on When the night is holding on to me God is holding on Thank you, thank you. Um, we don't pass a plate, kind of, you know, sometimes some churches, they'll pass a plate around for offering time. We don't do that here at Public Church, but we do have an offering box at the front or an online way to give. Um, and I just felt in my spirit this week to take some time to praise God for the way that he has provided for us as a church and I would also believe as individuals, um, as I hear stories of how God uh, makes a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. Um, so I just want to take a moment to pray and give God some thanksgiving for how he's um, provided for us. And then I will close us off with the scripture we read every week that just reminds us that we're ambassadors for Christ. So, hey, God, once again, we just come before you with thanksgiving in our hearts for how you've provided for public church, for how you've provided for my family, how you've provided for all of the families represented here. And God, we just want to acknowledge that we would not be here if it wasn't for the miraculous ways that you have worked in our life. And so we just want to give you honor and praise this morning, I guess this afternoon, but... You are awesome, God, and we're going to keep believing you for the, what we can see sometimes in our finances as impossible and trust that, uh, as you've said in your word, don't worry about how we're going to get the things that we need, that you will give them to us because you're a good God. So we um, just praise you again in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So our scripture uh, for our benediction is from 2 Corinthians.
has. Five, 15 to 21, feel free to read it with me because this is for all of us. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, or she is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. So go out this week as everyday missionaries that um, have the spirit of God and he's trustworthy and go out as ambassadors for Christ.